All right, we're going to go ahead and get started here on uh, the Sooners Extra uh, Twitter space slash uh, podcast following OU's 52-42 to win over Kansas on Saturday. The Sooners uh, finally uh, break through and, and, and get into the, the win column, uh, snapping their, their three-game losing streak. Uh, Justin, we got to start with the offense and specifically Dylan Gabriel's return. If there was any doubt who the most valuable player is on this team, it's been uh, put to rest over the last couple of weeks with the way the offense looked uh, last week and, and really uh, the, the last seven quarters coming into today's game versus how it looked uh, today. Yeah, I mean, we saw obviously last week what OU's offense looks like without Dylan Gabriel in the mix. I mean, 39 total yards of passing in that one, and then he's Gabriel surpassed that on the first drive today. I mean, he was out there throwing it from the start, which – had to be a welcome sight for, for OU's wide receivers, which didn't get too much action other than just blocking last week. So, yeah, I mean, instant impact, you know, finishing with 403 passing yards, two touchdowns. Did have a few really fluky turnovers. You know, he had a, that fumble on the on the handoff. He had another one where the ball slipped out of his hand or maybe it was um, – maybe it touched um, – Javante Barnes's elbow there, but had a few kind of fluky turnovers. But other than that, you know, I thought he passed the ball uh, much better than against TCU before he got hurt. Uh, and yeah, you could just see that it's it's an entirely different offense with, with Gabriel back there uh, taking snaps. Yeah, Jenny and Justin alluded to it right there. It, it wasn't just that Gabriel was back and uh, that magically fixed everything, but it was Gabriel looking much more like the quarterback he looked like the first uh, three weeks, and, and heck, even better at times. I know, obviously, he threw his first uh, interception of the season, had the couple of fumbles, and, and yeah, it looks like uh, he, him and Javante Barnes sort of bumped, and that's what led to the second fumble. But uh, Dylan Gabriel was playing, played really well in this game, and I, I thought – uh, was mostly on the mark. Um, the the accuracy that we had started to w- starting to wonder, you know, where it had gone. The accuracy came back in a, a big way today, for the most part. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I, I don't uh, I, I don't doubt that uh, physically he was ready to go. You know, I, I, and where he was with the concussion, um, I think OU had that uh, taken care of well. But the thing that you don't know is like, how is he going to be, you know, after missing some practice and probably being limited to a degree? Obviously, quarterbacks take few hits, but um, I thought he was very smooth, very composed, looked like he did uh, in the non-conference, which, you know, for the Sooner offense, that was a welcome sight. I don't obviously seeing him out there was a welcome sight, but seeing him that accurate, I thought was huge. Yeah, it really was, and they were because of that. They were able to get their top playmakers involved. We saw Marvin Mims out there with just a ton of targets. I think uh, what was it, uh, sixteen? I believe sixteen. Uh, yeah, if that's the case. So you know, just having Gabriel out there and being able to be accurate gets Marvin Mims involved. It gets Braden Willis much more involved. Uh, Jaleel Farouk whose role just continues to grow and grow. And all of a sudden, it takes a lot of pressure off that run game and it takes some pressure off the defense even. Um, And things really start to open up for what uh, Jeff Levy in particular can do. Uh, Yeah, no, I think, you know, obviously Oklahoma, the defense did not get off to as good a start as the offense did. Gave up touchdowns on the first two drives. But I think what you said is right, Ryan, because, um, you know, when this when the offense gets out there, gets going, I think we saw today what the OU offense was hoping to do at TCU by, you know, when they when they won the, co- the, to- the coin toss that day and took the ball, I think they wanted to go out there and, and put up points right away, you know, and, and get on the high side of things. It didn't work out that day, and obviously things went downhill. But, you know, having an offense that was able to sort of match Kansas punch for punch to me that's the that's the formula for this team 
I don't, to me, there's, there's, you know, less and less doubt in my mind that teams are going to score on OU's defense. This is a third straight game that teams scored 40 plus points, but OU's won a lot of games and even won a lot of championships with a, you know, win shootouts mentality. I don't know why they couldn't do that again. If Gabriel and this offense continue to play like they did today, they will be tougher defensive tests, but today was definitely a day that was a step in the right direction for that formula. Yeah, it really was. And we'll get to talk about the defense for quite a while here here momentarily, but let's stick to the offense. Justin, one of the bright spots, the the few bright spots that I felt like uh, was evident on this offense, but had been uh, really, uh, I don't know if overlooks the right word, but hard to to see maybe because of uh, some of the deficiencies is the play of the offensive line. And I I thought today was probably their best game of the year in just dominating up front and uh, being able to take Kansas' pass rush uh, virtually out of the game, give Dylan Gabriel, especially coming back from that concussion, uh, plenty of time and and room to work. And uh, open a lot of holes uh, for Eric Gray to have a monster game today. Yeah, I mean, it, it all starts at the offensive line. Um, you know, like you said, it, it really just allows everything to run just better for the offense. I mean, Dylan Gabriel had plenty of time to to get those passes off. Like you said, Eric Gray, season high, 176 rushing yards. Um, team had 298 rushing yards overall on a day. Um, this It's really one of the only groups for OU on, both, on either side of the ball that you can really say – has made continuous improvement week in and week out. You know, I don't think you can really say that about too many other groups for the Sooners. So, yeah, credit has to go to the offensive line for just freeing up everything for both the run game and the passing game today. Yeah, and, and Jenny, they were doing it in a lot cleaner fashion too, uh, able to avoid uh, many penalties uh, today, especially in the second half. I don't know that OU had any penalties uh, in the second half there. But how, how big is that development for this team uh, moving forward, especially as they are going to have to win games some different ways? Obviously, you want to be able to, to put the games on Dylan Gabriel's shoulders, and they'll do that plenty, I'm sure. But um, they're going to have to uh, maybe grind out some things and, and help out that defense a little bit. Um, we saw you win the time of possession battle today, but just how how big is that to have that deep, that offensive line playing the way they are right now, Jenny? It's it's huge, and Justin's right. You know they have week to week have just continued to improve. They really haven't had any setbacks, and that's even early in the year. Obviously, having some injury issues and shuffling some guys around. Um, so for them to to have that type of forward progress you know after having some struggles the last couple of years they haven't maybe had a dominant that you expected uh those offensive lines to have in years past you know when they had all those nfl draft picks on the line they just they didn't have that necessarily so it's been it's been a, uh, there's been some struggles uh along the way but i think this bunch has found uh has found some consistency uh has found its footing and pretty clearly, uh, you know, the fact they gave up one sack today, one quarterback hurry. And, yeah, I think Wanya Morris got called for uh, a holding at one point. I think that was the only penalty against this offensive line as well. So a very, very efficient game for them. And, I, um, you know, I, I think all three of us at, at different times have talked about, you know, Eric Gray not being the biggest running back. And, and that hasn't changed. He's not the biggest running back. But he's not having to handle, uh, today at least, and and I think moving forward, if this formula continues, he's not having to take on, uh, you know, a heavy load at the line of scrimmage. He's seeing holes, he's seeing seams, and then the first person he contacts is safety, linebacker, you know, somebody a little bit smaller um, that maybe he can make a move on, make a miss, and that's, he's capable in that regard. So I think it's definitely part of this winning formula offensively. Um, Lots of credit has to go to Bill Biedenboe, to those guys that are in the positions uh, up front playing. Uh, They have been really, um, you know, if you're looking for a consistent bright spot, I think you said it right to start with, Ryan, with the losses and the struggles, it's probably something that 
has gone a little bit underappreciated just because, uh, you know, of the, the concerns, rightfully so, over other things, uh, the losses, the defense, backup quarterback. You know, you, you, you have so much oxygen spent on those things. You don't have time to look around and see if there's anything good going on. But that OU offensive line, uh, it's been good, and it, it continues to be that way. Yeah, and certainly you mentioned Wanya Morris there with the penalty, but certainly his return after missing those first couple games is a, uh, a piece in that. But it's really consistency across that front. I thought I think Anton Harrison is playing a whole lot better uh, than he was early in the season. I think Andrew Rame is starting to become you know, a, a whole lot more like the player that uh, we expected him to be. And just that that entire offensive line um, playing uh, much, much cleaner and better football. And, you know, just like Jenny said, that really helps when you've got a running back like Eric Gray, who is uh, best in with some space. And, you know, I had questions going into this year. Uh, Justin about Eric Gray's ability to be an every down kind of back, but when the offense and when that, that offensive front plays the way that they have, uh, it certainly makes it easier for him to uh, hold a role like that. And he's certainly uh, run away with that and, and taking control of that number one running back spot. And I think done uh, a, a whole lot better than I thought was capable uh, for sure. Yeah, I was in that same boat as you, and I think a lot of people were because, you know, you see the consistency of a guy like like Kennedy Brooks. I mean, you knew what you were going to get out of him every single game for OU. And, you know, with him gone, it was really a matter of, you know, are we going to get that consistent output from Eric Ray, especially as the lead guy? And, I mean, to his credit, you know, it's it's a different approach than a guy like Kennedy, who obviously is, is bigger, more built. Um but, I mean, Eric, Eric gets the job done. I mean, his his elusiveness, like Jenny had talked about, um, you know, we talked to him after the game, and he had said that DeMarco Murray has the same message for him. It's always to to try to win the one-on-ones. And to his credit, if he's in the open space and he has a one-on-one with somebody, I mean, that that cutback, the the juke that he has, is is really something else. I mean, he, he showed that today. He's shown that all season, that he's able to make guys miss um, and that elusiveness, you know, has, has been something that has been really impressive. And just overall, the way that he's handled that role as a lead back for the Sooners. Yeah, and it was, you know, never more evident than those uh, the the back-to-back plays there late in the second quarter, uh, Jenny, where Eric Gray breaks off a, a 21-yard touchdown run. It looks like uh, the, the Sooners are about to stretch their lead to three touchdowns, and then it gets called back. Uh, for one of the, those penalties that they had. And then the next play, he just does the same thing from 28 yeah. yards out. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden it looks like this thing uh, could turn into a blowout. Now, that's not, uh, you know, how it happened there, uh, which we'll get into in, in just a moment. But it certainly shows just what kind of player this guy is. Yeah, I mean, he's got the ability to do what we saw him do. I, I think those two plays are great examples of that. But obviously, you know, good vision, good patience. Um, he always, it seems to me when it, you know, comes to finding the seams, finding the holes at the line, he's able to hit him at the right time and avoid that, you know, first contact a lot of times. So he's maybe not taking the, the big hits from the defensive linemen or linebackers. So I just, I think overall, just my overall level of, you know, um, just how impressed I am by him. I just, it, it really continues week to week. And, you know, I keep thinking uh, that somebody is going to kind of start to tamp down <laughs> my, my level of, uh, you know, excitement over what I see out of him on a week to week basis. But, you know, it just keeps coming. Now, obviously those last couple of weeks have been a struggle. Um, I thought at TCU, the, the offensive line and the run game, while it wasn't as effective that day as it was today or some of the non-conference games, I still didn't think it was terrible. I thought it was definitely the bright spot on a really dark day for the Sooners last week. I don't know. I mean, it was all kind of a mess. But um, I think this week, getting back to something that's more representative of what Oklahoma wants to do on a consistent basis, I think you see if Dylan Gabriel is able to stretch the field, throw it around like he did to 
a bunch of different guys. I mean, he, he's, I don't know how many different guys caught passes today, six, eight, uh, something like that, probably, you know, if he's able to spread it around like that short intermediate long, um, that really can change the, the run game dynamic too, because then you've got those, those secondary guys really backing off to try to keep guys in front of them. Eric Gray getting in space. That's a dangerous place for a defense to find themselves. Yeah. By the way, Jenny, the number was seven. We had uh, seven I was receivers. Right. I was right there <laughs> in the ballpark. Six to eight. That sounds about right. Yeah. Marvin Mims, Braden Willis, Theo Weiss, Drake Stoops, Jaleel Farouk, Eric Gray, Gavin Freeman, who had a fantastic catch uh, there early in the game, a 41-yarder. Um, they were the guys that uh, caught passes today. But, Jenny, I want to stick with you uh, for a, a point that uh, Patrick uh, brings up in a, a tweet to us. He says, at some point, doesn't the offense have to think about calling plays to keep the ball away from the other team? You know, talking about the three-score lead in the second half and, and things like that. You know, I, I thought they did a little bit of that today. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, time of possession has been such an issue uh, for this team uh, to this point. Hadn't won the time of possession battle in any game to the, so far this year. But today, uh, come out on the right side of that. But uh, what do you think about that? Do they need to start being more mindful on the offensive side about, uh, you know, helping out that defense? I mean, Oklahoma ran 100 plays today. And what did, what did Kansas have? 70-something, I think, was what they ended up with. I mean, if you're going to have 20-plus more plays than your opponent, you feel pretty good about that. You, time of possession, you point out too, Ryan. That's obviously part of it as well. So Oklahoma's offense, I mean – could they slow it down a little bit more? Potentially. I mean, I think that is something they may, uh, I think that was something Brent Venables mentioned just this week, uh, talking about speeds of the offense. You know, they do have different speeds. I thought at times early today, they played really fast, about as fast as you can play, you know, ball set uh, and it's snap sort of thing. Um, but I didn't think in the second half they played quite that fast. I think that there were times when they slowed it down, but you know, that's one of those things that if if they had had a healthy Dylan Gabriel for these first seven weeks, if they had had the sort of n- more natural evolution of the offense, maybe you could foresee them being in a position to do some of that with a little bit more regularity. But, you know, we saw them try to slow down there at the end of the first half and they even spiked the ball down by the goal line to try to, you know, make the clock work for them. And they didn't punch it in there, you know, so the i think having having some stops and starts on this offensive journey has probably slowed the evolution to a degree of maybe some of the finer points of you know what Jeff Lubby wants to do offensively and what they might be able to do later in the season maybe in you know another two or three weeks we see that will look a little bit different but you know i think one of the things that they have going for them as a strength is you know, the quick snaps, um, the conditioning that, that obviously the offensive line especially is able to play with and keep moving. Um, so when you've got some strengths like that, you know, you want to kind of keep playing towards it. Um, but I do think that's one of those things that they'll likely be working towards, um, especially now that we've seen the die is cast with this defense. I mean, we – we know what they are and what they aren't. And so, you know, Oklahoma's offense may have to um, be, a, a, you know, Brent Venables talks about complimentary football. Well, if you're going to compliment this OU defense, uh, I think that's, that it's a valid point that part of complimenting them is keeping the ball away from the other team's offense. Yeah, no doubt about it. But you look at the time of possession, the, the drives, the drive times in the second half for OU, uh, you know, they had a, a, a touchdown drive that went 10 plays over, uh, you know, three minutes, 20 seconds. They had a, the field goal drive there late 16 plays ate up more than five, uh, five minutes of clock time there. And then, uh, you know, at the end of the game have, uh, get uh, 331 off the clock to, uh, kneel down finally. And, and uh, go home with the victory. But, yeah, let's 
transition to talk about the defense there and, and, and Justin, we'll go to you starting off here. Certainly a lot of issues remain with this defense. I mean, heck, we saw them, you know, two, two drives in, uh, two, two defensive drives in, and you're thinking, here we go again, the same, same old, same old. Heck, even on the third drive, they get a three and out, but Key Lawrence drops a potential interception that's sort of right in his hands. Uh, wasn't able to finish that. That's been a recurring theme uh, for this defense. But there were still some things that they did much better today uh, than they've done in quite a while. And it was all in fits and starts. It, it wasn't consistent. But at least it looks like maybe they, they have a chance to be the uh, defense that struggled over the last few years. But will turn in moments rather than the one that just collapsed completely that we've seen the last uh, three weeks or so. Yeah, for sure. You know, starting the game, like you said, first two drives for Kansas, obviously third down stops have been a big uh, talking point for for OU's defense. And on each of those touchdown drives for Kansas, OU failed to get a stop on third down. So you're starting to think, oh, here we go again. But, I mean, overall, there's – there's bits and pieces, like you said, that you can really try to build off of. I mean, you know, eight tackles for loss for the defense. They managed to get a sack on the board. Only one, but still they managed to get a sack on the board with just overall putting pressure on the quarterback. Um, you know, the secondary, I thought the key Lawrence played pretty well, even though he did have that drop interception, still broke up two passes, including one in the end zone. Um, you know, Robert Spears Jennings also came in and gave some good um, some good snaps for, for OU's defense. So, I mean, there's there's definitely things that you can try to build off of. It was not by any means a perfect performance by the defense. I mean, you give up 42 points to to anyone, you know, obviously there's going to be things you can improve on. But, you know, there's really only up that you can go. I mean, you can only go up from here compared to the last game against Texas. So there's things they can try to build off of as they get into this bye week. I think it's going to be a really big bye week for them to be able to really hone in on all of these things in the film room and see what they can try to improve on. But. Yeah, I mean, overall, there's there's enough there where you can come away with this game saying, hey, there was an improvement. Jenny, what, what for you is maybe the most encouraging thing that we saw on the defensive side for the Sooners today? I think she's going to go uh, radio. <laughs> okay, sorry, Jenny's uh... – uh, taking care of some stuff post game, so we're gonna uh, we'll we'll wait there uh, for her. But uh, Justin, you mentioned uh, Robert Spears Jennings, um, and, and I'll just go into sort of what I was asking uh, Jenny there about some encouraging signs. And I, I think one of the things is we're seeing some some freshmen who didn't play big roles early in the season emerge, and and Robert Spears Jennings was one of them. had, had four tackles today got it more and more of an opportunity and it looks like he's a guy whose role could continue uh, to grow and grow here in the second half of the season yeah especially with with you know billy bowman uh damon Harmon still out after the uh game against tcu two weeks ago so i mean there's a need there's a need for guys to come in and and a chance for them to to give some good production and you know uh, spears jennings has been one of those guys who's really capitalized on it uh, also, just newcomers in general, you know, um, uh, CJ Colden, I think, has been able to to really give some good production for OU lately. He had an amazing uh, one-handed interception. Looked like he was going to get the Odell Beckham type of interception and then kind of just catches it while falling to the ground. That's his second straight week with interceptions uh, for trying to carve out a role coming from Wyoming. So just overall, I mean, there's a lot of newcomers that are now getting some opportunities and you know, OU's defense, I mean, they're going to take what they can get because, like I said, right now it's pretty much it's open for anyone to come out here and try to produce because this defense has had all of its struggles. So these are just a few guys that have been able to, to take advantage of it. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I asked Marvin Mims after the game how he would grade C.J. Colden's interception, and he at first gave him a seven. He said he, he had to deduct a little bit for not being able to go up and, and grab it. Uh, on the initial one, and then he uh, went back and eventually uh, decided on an eight uh, for Colden. But, you know, I, I thought that that was a really important play for this team, not only for 
uh, in the moment when it happened, when uh, they're up a couple touchdowns, uh, they, they wind up scoring really quickly off of that ensuing drive. But just confidence-wise, after you know, we, I mentioned the, the Key Lawrence uh, drop a little bit earlier, and they've had a lot of chances to create uh, takeaways and just haven't been able to do it. You know, outside of C.J. Holden's interception last week, which is about uh, the the simplest interception that you could ever hope for, is Quinn Ewers just sort of popped it up to him. But uh, you know, I, I thought that was at least gave the Sooners defense a measure of momentum even when things are, are still a struggle for them. Yeah, and I mean, just in general, just getting off the field, even if it's like a third down stop, like we mentioned, is something they've also struggled with. I mean, it just seems like this defense has really struggled to get stops, and, you know, they've missed a few interceptions. They've missed a few third and longs that they've allowed the other team to get the first down. So moments like that one for Colden, I mean, it's definitely big, and especially just for him personally. You know, he mentioned that, coming into this new system, it was really difficult for him to get adjusted um, and that he's starting to really feel like, you know, okay, this is, I, I belong at this level, you know, and I'm able to compete at this level. So it's, it's good for the whole defense. It's good for him personally. Um, anytime you're able to get plays like that, I mean, it's definitely something you can build off of. Yeah. And they're going to need everybody that they can get uh, back there, especially if Billy Bowman, is out for an extended or an even more extended length of time. Uh, they've, they've tried some different things back there. Obviously, Woody Washington uh, last week. Uh, Key Lawrence, like you mentioned, stepped up and, and, and had some good things happen for him today. And then just uh, defensively as a whole, you know, obviously a lot of uh, people calling for more uh, Jaron Kanak. And I thought it was interesting after the game, uh, Ted Roof was asked about some of the other newcomers, uh, maybe in addition to Robert Spears Jennings, who could uh, see their roles grow or who, who had making significant strides over the last couple of weeks. And he brought up Jaron Kanak and talked about the way that he's adjusted to playing that uh, middle linebacker spot. He was a guy who hadn't done that. Playing outside is so much different uh, from playing inside and um you know, a lot of those plays that he was making uh, in the Nebraska game when he was thrown out there, when Deshaun White got ejected, there's a lot of instinct type of plays. And I know there was, uh, you know, a, a lot of uh, optimism for him after that. He hadn't played a ton since then, but it sounds like maybe he's on the verge of uh, breaking through, Justin. Yeah, and I mean, like we kind of talked about earlier, OU is going to welcome any breakout they can get on defense, um, especially at the linebacker spot where, you know, obviously they they lack a lot of depth. Even the veteran guys have definitely been inconsistent. Guys like David Awebu, you know, Deshaun White, you got Shane Witter, um, who is who's now out for the season. So, yeah, I mean, I understand for sure why there's a lot of people wanting to see more Jaron Knack, but it is going to be a process. You know, he didn't play this position in high school he's he's a freshman getting thrown into this it is going to be a process but the talent is there and i mean definitely if he could be able to to start to really string together some good performances for his defense and just the linebacker group specifically then then yeah Sooners fans have to be happy to see that yeah another guy that ted roof mentioned was kip lewis uh, making big strides over the last few weeks and obviously he got a chance to get on the field defensively uh, for the first time last week or really overall for the first time, but we did see him on defense. So we'll see how big a role he plays uh, coming out of the bye week. I think Jenny's back with us. Jenny uh, Hello. was, was, was asking you uh, before I realized that you were gone. What, what to you <laughs> was the most encouraging sign that you saw from the Sooners defensively, obviously very far from perfect. This defense isn't, you know, still has a lot of way to go to even be considered, you know, middle of the road, honestly, at this point. But was there anything that really encouraged you today moving forward? You know, I thought they tackled better. Um, not perfectly. There were definitely some some swings and misses, if you will. But I did think that they tackled a little bit better than we've maybe seen in the last couple weeks. Um, you know, I I think that 
you know, maybe there was a little bit of improvement in coverage. Um, definitely, again, still sometimes when receivers too much cushion or completely wide open. Um, but it, it did seem like there were some small steps forward. Um, but, you know, it's, I, you know, you were talking about the young guys and, you know, you're going to have some young guys who haven't played a bunch who I think are going to be put in there because, you know, at this point, uh, Brent Venables, Ted Roof, see the, not the need, but the, the, you know, why not give them a chance to get some actual game snaps. And so they're going to be a little slow in, you know, getting going and, you know, getting their feet under them. But then you've got veteran guys that the, you know, the, the chance to really improve is just not easy because they're, you know, it's kind of like the golfer who's, you know, gotten his, you know, gotten his uh, scores down into the the seventies. You're just not going to shave off strokes all the time. And I think when you're talking about more veteran guys, you're not going to see big leaps and bounds of improvement uh, as easily. So those two things combined probably mean that you're not going to see a ton of improvement maybe here in the short term, but if some of those younger guys are able to get worked in and maybe start to see some, some evolution, maybe that's an area where you, we see maybe bigger strides moving forward. You know, this bye week coming up, I think that could be really big for that. And then, you know, Iowa State is up after the bye. Iowa State offensively really has been struggling. Scored some points today against Texas, but um, I think overall has, you know, shown that they're a little bit hampered offensively. So that may give Oklahoma's defense a chance to, you know, maybe build some momentum. I think this was a momentum game for this whole team today, but maybe that's where you can see the Oklahoma defense start to maybe feel a little bit better about themselves. They know they're not perfect. They're going to have a lot to still work on, but maybe they can start to feel some confidence building as they head towards the backside of this, uh, of, the, of this season. Yeah. And Jenny sticking with you uh, here for this, I, I'm also curious to see, after they get through the bye week and, and come back against Iowa State and uh, through the, the the home stretch of the season, if they're able to start dialing up the pressure a little bit more as some of those uh, young guys especially get more acclimated to the defense and, and as they can maybe feel a little bit more comfortable uh, bringing pressure and, and feeling like they're going to make the plays if uh, – you know, if something gets broken or, uh, you know, if, if the team is able to make uh, make quick throws, things like that, uh, you know, do, do you feel like maybe there's a chance for them to get a little bit more aggressive just play calling wise on this defense? You would think so. I mean, we saw him come out, uh, you know, with a four-man front tonight, which or this this morning. Sorry, it's morning has become evening, and my my sense of time has gone all to pieces. But um, the you know we saw we saw four uh, defensive linemen line up. Uh, that you know has been something I know a lot has caused a lot of consternation. That you know three-man front has been used here lately, especially. Uh, by Oklahoma's defense and really to no effect. It didn't help them in coverage, and it obviously they weren't getting any pressure. I don't necessarily know that the pressure was turned up today, but it did feel a little bit uh, better at the point of attack. I thought, you know, maybe uh, handled some of the run situations a little bit better, uh, forced Jason Bean, the Kansas quarterback, uh, out of the pocket maybe a little bit more. But I do think that I still, I still look at that OU defensive front individually as you know pieces of that defensive line Jalen Redmond uh Ethan Downs Reggie Grimes and I think gosh individually my feeling is is that there's good players on that defensive line so you know if there's individually good players why couldn't they be pretty good why couldn't they you know get more pressure why couldn't they call some more blitzes you know on and on and on just hasn't happened yet those guys have really not uh, asserted themselves in the way that I thought they would they've gotten some nice moments here and there obviously but as an overall group it just hasn't been to the to the level that I was expecting them to get to so um, it will be interesting to see as they you know have a chance to hunker down and just spend a week on themselves uh, get ready to face the team that probably has the you know offense that's most stale in the big 12 can they can they maybe do some things that 
that uh, they haven't necessarily been able to do before. We'll see. I think that's a very interesting uh, question moving forward. You know, we were talking earlier about evolution of the offense that has been stunted a little bit by, uh, you know, the change at quarterback. But maybe, you know, this is one of those areas that as it relates to the defense, as they start to see whether they're baby steps or that incremental improvement, uh, you know, you can start to maybe think about some of those types of things because, I, again, I just think the talent, it looks like it's there. It just hasn't shown itself very well. Yeah, and to that point today, Reggie Grimes, uh, the the only place he appears on the, the stat box is one quarterback hurry, no tackles, uh, you know, anything like that. Uh, Jeffrey Johnson had just, just one tackle. Uh, half uh, he had a was uh, assisted on a, a tackle for loss uh, there. Uh, e- Ethan Downs ha- did have three tackles and uh, uh, one and a half uh, tackles for loss there. But that that group uh, there up front, Jalen Redmond, uh, just uh, just one tackle, uh, did have a pass breakup as well early in the game. But those guys that Jenny you're talking about that. clearly have talent we've seen it from those guys I mean you know Jalen Redmond's played really well for stretches uh before this season we just uh you know it just looked like he just needed to be healthy um Reggie Grimes was really uh, a factor on this defense for the first couple of games before he sort of uh faded away and uh they've got to get better about making consistent plays up there and you know, figuring out ways to get those guys uh, involved in this defense, but at the same time to be able to keep some of the success that they had today. And I I know obviously the numbers at the end aren't great, but it was clearly a better, better run defense today than it had been uh, for sure. But they've got to find ways to get those guys more involved and be able to maintain that. To me, the defensive line is maybe the biggest mystery on this team. I mean, I think we knew coming in that Brent Venable's defense was going to put a high, you know, going to put a lot on the linebackers, and that was probably going to take a while. And then we knew just because over the last few years the Oklahoma secondary has had its struggles, you know, I think that was sort of expected to be uh, an area where they would have some trouble but the defensive line was a group, and especially through those non-conference games, I think we were all like, okay, that looks like the group that is going to affect uh, things the most, is going to you know, have the biggest chance to have an impact is in Big 12 play, and they've just really disappeared. I mean, I, I think you used that word, Ryan, and it, about Reggie Grimes, and I think it's, it's true, and it's really, it's really surprising. And I, you know, some of it, I'm sure, is calls and what, you know, feels comfortable, but, um, you know, I've harped in the past, Ryan will laugh because he's heard it before, harped in the past about linebackers affecting, affecting the offense, affecting change, you know, really forcing the issue and how that was lacking for so many years. And I didn't necessarily think the Oklahoma linebacking group was going to be in a position to do that right away. But I thought the defensive line was. And, you know, they, then they come out and do it for three games, and you're thinking, okay, this is where Oklahoma really builds around. And then to just, you know, have almost no stats and, you know, not really look like they're having the a level of involvement they've had at times this season, to me that's one of the, the biggest mysteries of this entire thing that Oklahoma has been going through where are those guys and what's happened to them this season? Jenny likes linebacker play. I'm stunned. <laughs> that and tight it passes to the tight end. It's, they're <laughs> always open. They're always open. And Braden Willis would agree with me on that. <laughs> now let's just, uh, we need to touch on your disdain for oral, hi- oral histories. And we're, uh, <laughs> you know, I think hitting for the cycle there. It's, it's close to a grand slam at that point. I, I'll be in heaven if you want me to talk about that, but nobody wants to hear about that on the Sooners spaces for crying out loud. That's for <laughs> another podcast. Yes, it is. But uh, Jenny, want to stay with you for uh, shift back to offense momentarily, right before we wrap this thing up. Uh, one of the 
outside of the turnovers, one of the concerning things was that uh, drive uh, just before halftime after Kansas uh, drives down and, and scores to uh, cut it to a two-score game. It seemed like OU was in great position to uh, you know, really take a commanding lead into halftime when Marvin Mims uh, looked like he got in the end zone. It was called short, and then I think there was just no angle where they felt it was definitive that he was in, uh, had the ball inside the one, and they're not able to score there. You, you think about that series, and uh, they had Chris Murray, uh, lined up in the backfield there on a couple plays when Javante Barnes was stopped. What would you have liked to have seen there uh, from, from OU's offense uh, maybe that we didn't see? Yeah, I mean, I think they they just kind of went blah. They kind of went vanilla down there. And, it, I mean, you bring up a good point. Had some interesting alignment, sort of a, a, a superpower package, uh, you know, with a lineman in the backfield. But, um, you know, to me – They'd been so effective uh, with that offensive line, moving people and getting people out of the way for Eric Gray. I mean, I know that it's a it's a much tighter scenario, but I think sticking with some of the stuff that was working before, you know, split some guys out, um, get Kansas defensively to think, hey, you know, they just threw it to Marvin Mims. He almost scored. They, you know, they could throw it to Braden Willis. They could, you know, throw it to a bunch of different guys here at the goal line. We better get out there and, you know, spread them out a little bit and see if you can't open a hole. It just felt like they kind of went, um, you know, just let's see if we can stuff it up the middle and get it in there. Uh, so, I, you know, and again, I said it jokingly before about passes to the tight end, but it's true, especially down there when you've got a guy that like Braden Willis who can find, uh, you know, openings in space. I would try to figure out a way to get in there because, yeah, I don't know. I thought considering the way the momentum could have shifted there with Oklahoma not getting in the end zone, I thought the Oklahoma defense, because Kansas gets the ball at the start of the second half, I thought the Oklahoma defense came out and did a pretty good job making sure that Kansas didn't capitalize with that possession to start the second half. They came out, got a stop. There were other things, obviously, that went awry in the second half for the Oklahoma defense, but I thought in that moment they actually did a pretty good job doing what they needed to do coming out of the halftime locker room to not exacerbate the problem uh, that not getting in the end zone might've caused. So uh, I thought in that moment, it actually, I mean, it didn't work out great for Oklahoma, but it worked out better than it could have. Um, so clearly though, you know, you get down there, all the momentum going in your way. That was one of the things I thought Oklahoma did really well in the non-conference and, you know, Brent Venables alluded to it in different ways players talked about it in different ways that you know they wanted to attack and keep attacking and we saw some evidence of that that you know you sort of continue to pound don't let up we saw Oklahoma do that a year ago got into closer games and they needed to get into um, so you sort of thought hey that's a change in mentality obviously the last few weeks of you know I think probably changed how everybody feels, confidence level, momentum, all those sorts of things. But I thought that was a moment when Oklahoma could have recaptured some of that, some of that vibe, some of that mojo. And so that was a little bit of an opportunity loss. Obviously it didn't cost them the game, but it's one of those things that as an offense, as a team, you want to look at because against better opponents, you don't want to waste an opportunity like that. You're essentially, you know, you're essentially in the end zone and you've got, you know, you've got time to get it in there figuring out a way to do that could be pretty important against some other teams you know who knows this year moving forward next year uh, I just think that's one of those scenarios you want to you want to learn from if you're Oklahoma yeah and uh you know I I would have really liked to have seen Dylan Gabriel uh you know uh get him uh in, in motion going out uh wide with the football whether that's you know giving him an opportunity to to uh you know get the ball pitch it uh, on the move or uh, find one of those receivers, Mims or Braden Willis at the top of that list uh, somewhere in the end zone. And, and I, you know, just try to uh, do some different things than just try to run it right up the gut, especially yeah. when you're trying to do it with a different, uh, you know, set there with Chris Murray in the backfield. What about you, Justin? Anything else uh, 
you can you would have liked to have seen on on that particular uh, series? Yeah, you know, I think just about all the options you guys brought up are better than the one that we actually saw. I mean, I probably would lean towards uh, what you're saying, just giving it to Dylan Gabriel, letting him get on the move there, see if he can find somebody, you know, Braden Willis being a big target, someone like that. That's probably what I would have leaned towards. Either way, I am I am happy that they at least went for it. That's something that Levy was asked about afterwards. Um, and he said, yeah, there was there was no chance that they were going to kick a field goal there. I like the aggressive mindset, especially like we talked about where this team is going to have to just outscore people, you know, because you can't really count on the defense just yet to be getting stopped. So I like that idea that they're at least trying to score rather than settling for field goals. But, yeah, I mean, I, I probably would have leaned towards what you're saying there. Hey, and I thought it was interesting, too, guys, that, you know, what we saw last week, the necessity that uh, Gabriel's absence created with some of those wildcat plays that Oklahoma went direct snap a couple times. That, and down there on the goal line, that might be something that, you know, could be, could be kind of interesting. Uh, you know, I'm not saying it works. You know, obviously there's, there's every opportunity that we might still be talking about the same outcome, but I like that wrinkle. I like some of those direct snaps, and you've obviously got some guys that can make that work. Why not use it a little bit? I, I think there's an element of surprise and also some, you know, some success and some, you know, good positive feelings about those guys too that, you know, they're obviously part of this offense, you know, whether you're talking about Gray or Willis or whoever, um, they're going to get the ball in their hands as it is. But then to have that extra level of, you know, belief in them, that's pretty cool. And those guys have to feel pretty good about that too. Yeah, yeah. Uh... Yeah, I agree with that. Now we've reached perhaps the the most important uh, topic of the show, and we'll uh, wrap it up here pretty quickly. But, Justin, what did you think of the OU uniforms that they rolled out today? Yeah, I thought, I thought this week especially was a good time to roll them out. Um, you know, we've heard a lot during the losing streak about whether it's Brent or just the players saying, hey, we have to stick together during this. Um, so to have it say unity on the back, you know, we talked to a few players. They said that that word means a lot to them, just being able to stick together through this adversity. So I thought now was a good time to bring it out. Obviously try to generate some excitement just because of the looks. Also the Jersey, it looks like a good Jersey. So maybe try to get a little bit of a, um, just positive vibes going into this game when there's already not a lot going well for OU the past few weeks. So I thought it was good timing to come out with this Jersey. I thought it was, um, a good message for it. So yeah, overall, I mean, I, I think it was a, a good decision. And Jenny, what about you? I, I think it was an appropriate game to break this out and, and not as much for the factors Justin mentioned, although I, I think that's certainly valid, but honoring Prentice got against Kansas. He, uh, you know, lived in Lawrence at the end of his life and, and his uh, widow uh, still lives there. And uh, but being able to honor Prentice God, I thought was a certainly a, a worthy cause uh, and a worthy reason to go with a different uh, uniform look. Uh, but what did you think overall about the, the execution of it? Yeah. Oh, by the way, I've got my dog going crazy. If you hear this weird noise, she's like, I want in the house right now, everybody. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, just just making sure you didn't think something crazy was happening over here. Um, no, I you know I liked the color. I thought the anthracite, that deep dark gray, was really cool. My own. Jenny, I think you cut out a little bit there, or I'm cutting out one of the two. Hopefully, uh, not me, but I think it was on Jenny's side because I can say okay. <laughs> But uh, hopefully Jenny will, will get back. And, and Jenny, if you're able to get back, just jump in here. But um, the, the complaint I had, which I think maybe what Jenny was going to say, you know, I'm up in the press box, we're up in the press box. And Kansas, it's really easy to recognize numbers uh, without binoculars. I was using my binoculars and it was still hard uh, at, at times to see who was getting the ball for uh, OU, who was making certain plays, who made tackles, missed tackles, uh, things like that. So the contrast is really uh, the only complaint that I would have about the uniforms. 
not sure if you're uh, back and able to jump in there, Jenny. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. Yes. I was I was having the very the same problem as well, where it was getting a little little difficult to try to tell who was who. I remember, uh, I think it was that that catch by Gavin Freeman where he laid out where a few guys were like, "Oh, that was a nice catch by Stoops." Oh wait, no, that's Gavin Freeman. Never mind. It's a little bit tough with the jerseys just on the back, and of course not the names on the back either. So, uh, yeah, that's probably the only the only catch in it, but. Other than that, I mean, it's, it's a cool message. It's a good-looking jersey. Um, so, I mean, I, I guess there's there's not too much you could say uh, in terms of critiquing it outside of that. Yeah, and I, I think Jenny might be back on with us. Uh, Jenny, we were just talking about the contrast in jerseys, maybe being the – contrast in colors being maybe the uh, downfall. I'm not sure if that's what you were going to talk about before you cut out a little bit there. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's, that's the biggest thing that I've seen uh, over the years with those grays is that they just – if it's a dark number on the gray, which usually it is, it's really hard to see. And then I love the fact that Oklahoma had unity on the nameplate but then you didn't have the name of the player either. So good luck trying to figure out who the heck was who today. Um, I think Justin's example of the uh, Stoops, Gavin Freeman mess up was indicative of, of the day. Um, you know, I, I, I realized that I knew maybe some guys by their style a little bit better than I even thought. But still, it was a struggle today to figure out who was out there and who was doing what. Uh, wrap it up there on the Sooners Extra Postgame Podcast slash uh, Twitter Spaces. Uh, thank you all so much for joining us. Uh, we'll be back um, a- at some point this week. Not exactly sure if we're going to be able to stick to our regular Tuesday schedule. Um, part of that will depend on OU's practice schedule, What uh, when we are able to hear from players and coaches again. But uh, we'll be sure to, to let you all know that. And uh, we'll certainly be back the week following as OU prepares to uh, continue their season in, uh, in Ames against Iowa State. But thank you all so much for joining us. You can check out our work every day in the Oklahoman and at Oklahoman.com for the best OU coverage anyway.